Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and today we are privileged to have with us a longtime college basketball coach and author of the new book, Secret Warrior, Coach Joanne McCauley. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. So it's been around, I think around six months, the time of this recording that you stepped away there at Duke. 28 years as a head coach, I think, is that correct? Yep, 28 great years. Yeah. And then assistant before that, and then a player before that. That is a, I have not been in it that long, but I know that college sports of any kind, kind of the pace that you keep going from that pace for, for such a long time to now this, is there anything different? Has it slowed down? Have you gotten a chance to catch your breath at all? Um, it's amazing how different it is to see the other side, I call it. Um, just the idea that I don't get up in the morning and rush out. Yeah. Um, I actually can sit and drink my green tea and do some writing and think about the day a little bit. Uh, so it's very different. And um, I recommend it. Um, I also understand why people might coach for 36, 40 years. I understand that too, because it's such a wonderful way to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm very grateful for my 28 years and I'm really looking forward to what may be next. And if it includes coaching, great. I'm wide open. Uh, but right now, kind of caught up as a writer. Yeah. So the new book, that's primarily kind of what I wanted to talk to you today about. Can you share the premise of it and then maybe how it came to be? Yeah. I, you know, I've been wanting to write it for a long time. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I was diagnosed when I was coach at the university of Maine. And it's really a story about loyalty and women coming together, a community coming together to support me, uh, during a very difficult time in my life and with my family. And that's sort of the catalyst for me getting to Michigan state, uh, that wonderful climb to the national championship game, and then getting to Duke, uh, for the wonderful championships and, and things are able to do at Duke as well. So it is an all encompassing story, lots about mental health, bipolar in particular. And I've been wanting to write it for a long time and grateful to be able to, and hope it can help. Mental health is something that I've wanted to talk about on this show, but I just haven't really gotten to it. And partly because I haven't had someone to to broach the subject with, despite people, I feel like this, maybe I'm incorrect, but despite people talking more about mental health, I still don't necessarily think that it's talked even as much as it should be or with the depth that it should should be talked about. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that in this day and age, though, the younger generation is much more accepting. Um, I had a young woman express to me that younger, uh, I would say she was about 26. Um, I don't care what I am. I just want to know what I am if I'm bi- bipolar or depressed. Um, so I've had some communication with folks. And back in the day, 25 years ago, you did not want to mention any kind of mental illness. And it was indicative of what your future may be. And 
that part I don't like at all because I think that you can have an extremely successful, happy life, but there are things that must be done. And I kind of look at myself now as Coach P for life on my monikers, you know, on my social media, because I'm trying to reach more people beyond just a basketball team or a program, try to reach people. If I can answer questions and be helpful, I want to. So there is more dialogue. And I, I call it kind of reshaping the narrative because you've got to connect the dots on how people get support, therapy, mm -hmm. medicine, psychiatry. There's a lot of things to sort out, a lot of things to talk about with health, with health insurance, with opportunity. Um, so this, this is a huge topic. And for our country in particular, given the nature of what we've all been through uh, nationally and worldwide. Yeah, and I think that's awesome that you're doing it just simply because there is like this stigma, especially in the men's. I feel like with with men and dealing with young men, like if you have mental health, then you're weak or you're not going to be able to accomplish accomplish something. I don't know what that is, but whatever it is, like you're, you're not going to be able to accomplish something. And your example of the fact that this isn't something that you dealt with at the end of the career of your career. It's something you dealt with at the beginning, towards the beginning of your career and look at the career that she still had. Yes, I think that for me, I was concerned about losing my job. I've been concerned about being a judge for bipolar. Uh, one of the questions is why now, right? It, when we coached in the national championship at Michigan State in 2005, I was 39. And I had consulted some friends and wanted to write about it then. I was really consulted against doing that in order to further my coaching career because I was young and wanted to coach more and had many great memories ahead at Michigan State and then at Duke. Um, so it's it's not an easy subject. And I think the more stories that come out, the better. I think that Secret Warrior has some dark spaces in it, some really dark moments. And it also has sort of that journey to the to light, you know, as I like to say, it really does in terms of coming to grips with something that is outside of your control. You know, people have high blood pressure. Um, that could be genetic or, or what have you, uh, cancer, all these other things, diabetes. Mental health is a brain issue. And, you know, it's interesting, some of the people that have been diagnosed with bipolar, uh, we talked about, you know, the manic stages and the depressive stage, stages and all, all in between. But the reality is when, you're, when you work through it, you're really at the best health of your life. And I had a doctor tell me once, you know, Joanne, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably more balanced than most people out there because, uh, because you've had to have therapy. I've, sure. had, I've had to self-assess and I've had to go through a lot. So I thought, well, that's a great way. I mean, when I was having trouble with a stigma myself, that's what one doctor brought to me. Mm -hmm. You'll be better than ever. Just just watch kind of thing. Yeah, that, that is the ironic point. I think people think, again, that you're weak or that there is no light that can come at the end because things are so dark. But I've heard a lot of people say once they've made it through something like that, it's not that they're glad that they went through it, but they are stronger as a result of it. And it actually helps. And I don't know how you felt like this, too. I, I do want to ask this at some point, probably two parts to this question, and they may be the same answer. The first one, kind of how how did this experience change? Maybe just you having to deal with things like how did it change you, you, the person? And then did it change the way that you coached at all? It changed me a great deal as a person. I never thought, I mean, being an athlete myself, I never thought that your mind could leave you. I mean, I just, that the whole concept of your mind not being well, uh, that that really um, throttled me. 
I should say, and made me more thoughtful, patient, obviously more of a scientist about mental health. And, you know, keeping it quiet was not was easy in a way because you just kind of go on with your life. You, you sort of park it in a corner. As coaches, we compartmentalize a lot. So it was just kind of sat there in, in a corner, but it, it was making me better every day because it was something I had to cope with and be dedicated to. The second question you asked me, wait, what was the second question? <laughs> just, I mean, did it change the way that you coached? And I'm, I've even oh, thinking about like working with the players, not just not just for you personally, even talking about the coaching. And I totally get that. Yeah. We're so busy with so many things that it can sometimes just be something else that I've felt this as sometimes like I'll deal with it during the quiet, dark times when I'm by myself. And then it kind of like gets pushed to the side when I'm having to deal with these other things. Yeah. But sometimes it almost gets to the point too, where it becomes something that's all encompassing. And so how, how did, how did you deal with that while you're still trying to coach? And then the, how did it affect your relationship with players or change the way that you interacted with players? Well, it definitely um, grew me as a coach without question. And I was a very, very uh, tough coach back in my main days. Um, I would say that was my personality being a young coach at 26, you know, trying to prove that we could do this and Maine could be a national contender and also proving myself as a coach. So there was that normal passion, excitement, impatience, uh, drive. And I really offered that to my players. Um, one of my players was 22 and I was 26 when I took the job. Hmm. So we had that kind of closeness. Um, what's careful is to understand the authenticity of who you are and then recognize that my episodes were different and they're covered in the book and they're different than what people might think because you are able to, pro for the most part, uh, after diagnosis, you are able to process through and do your work. But the reality is I was much better um, since when I left my last two or four, two or three years at Maine. I was better than ever. And going to Michigan State was the thrill of a lifetime, you know, five years in a national championship. And the same is true of Duke. So I was able to see all that positive. But the rumblings, all of that, yes, I changed as a coach. I was humbled as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I changed as a coach at Maine. Mm -hmm. And that's where, now again, you want to change. I, I learned things to be a better coach, X and O wise, psychologically, and all that after Maine. Because if you're not getting better, yeah. You're not a really good coach, but the bulk of my learning through mental health and coaching occurred at Maine. And there's stories from players. Um, it's Secret Warrior, which is singular, but there are warriors in the book. And they're the ones that make the difference. And they're kind of the ones that help tell the story. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. Coach, really quickly, let me tell you about a brand new app called Wildcard. 
It's a social engagement platform specifically designed for youth sports teams. You, your players, their parents, people are going to love this thing. The app allows you to create virtual training programs, manage schedules, give player and game reports, and post player videos and highlights. I've checked out the platform, and I highly recommend you give Wildcard a look. Especially in this climate, with a lot of us having limited or even no contact with our players, Wildcard allows you to stay connected and build culture with your players through the use of technology. Right now, there's a special promotion for a quick timeout listeners. You can download and use the app for free, but you must do so within the first two weeks of the release of this episode. So check the link in the show notes to download and start using Wildcard with your team today. You're going to love it. I've only been coaching for nine years, so I, I don't really have a, a ton of even like graduates that have that have come back. Um, but oddly enough, even in that that short time, I've had multiple players who who graduated and they're done. And we have conversations after the fact and they will share with me about struggles with depression and, and anxiety. And I'm I'm wanting to be more proactive, I guess, in, in how I, I help them rather than just hearing about this after the fact and then getting them help. It's one thing for you to like, you're going to see a lot of health issues and they're going to be very apparent, but mental health, somebody can be very quiet about that. And you not know that they're dealing with that for a really long time. Yeah. It's really difficult um, while you're coaching a team because of privacy. And so many do not want to speak about it are reticent to speak about it. And also think that you may look at them differently. It was very hard for me to see depression and other disorders and not be able to share that it's okay. I've gone through this bipolar situation. And that was something that really led me to understand that I had another coaching career that was different because you really, you can be humble as a coach, but you can't be vulnerable to a point and things can be scary for people. And if they don't understand, I did not ever feel while I was coaching that I could say, I'm a bipolar coach and this type of thing, because again, education's really important. And for me, recruiting, I mean, yeah. people, people negative recruit anyway, about <laughs> all sorts of things. And so I really kind of felt trapped a little bit to not to share my experiences. And also perhaps that wasn't the time. So what it did do is allow me to be a listener and a director as much as I could with issues off the court and then hope that the proper support would be given to student athletes, which involves therapy and sports psychiatry and things of that nature. When you have a full team in place, the coach can stay in their lane, you know, coach, motivate um, and be supportive. And I've had many players through 28 years that have had mental health issues without a doubt. Can I, could I get directly involved with them? Not really, I could support them, Mm-hmm. If they had to miss practice or whatever, I could support, but I couldn't share anything about my journey or show the kind of empathy that perhaps they would be looking for. Just the other day, I had a student athlete call me and she called me because she heard about my book. She pre-ordered it. And then she said, I hope you don't mind. I want to ask you a question. And I said, well, go ahead. She said, what's it like to be bipolar? And I said, well, there's a lot to talk about there. You know, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know I need to read the book. And then she said to me, my mom is bipolar and we've had a tough go of it for a lot of reasons. And so I was able to listen. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but from a coaching standpoint, she's a, she's a player and, and she just wanted to ask me a few questions 
and share a bit of her story. And that kind of coaching is now where I think I am. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for her to bring that to her current coach, right? They're they're, they're doing a great job. They're having an amazing season. Uh, She's doing a great job, but she's haunted a little bit about life with a bipolar mom, you know, being raised by a grandmother, you know, things of that nature. So that's kind of easier, I think, to help, you know, from that angle. So you're a current coach. I think you have to have your antennas up and get your support ready for people to be able to talk to people um, and do you the best you can as a coach. All coaches need to. But it's it's tough when you're in it with your team as you try to demand and pursue championships. Even from this player's perspective, how, how the support group around you, how important was that to you and how important can that be to, to somebody else? Well, I think we're in the growing phases because the support for student athletes has been different, you know, each place I've been. Um, so we're in a interesting spot of trying to connect the dots. Again, staying in our lanes, right? Coaches are coaches. Here we are. You got, you know, psychologists, therapists and, and all of that. I think the hardest thing for me as a coach, when I saw, when I was sort of shared, and I'm going to say halfway shared a mental health issue because kids tell you only so much they want yeah. to do. I think that getting support in that way, professional support to me, you know, in terms of ha- helping guide me, I've had some amazing people to do that, but I don't think all coaches do. So there's that fear factor, right? A, a student athlete has just sort of said, I, you know, I don't feel good about this or that. And there has to be communication about from the coach to the therapy so that we see the kids the most, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see them in practice, we see them travel, we see them do things. And I feel like there's a lot of communications breakdowns. You know, there's definitely HIPAA rules and all of that to protect a person for their privacy. Mm-hmm. But asking a coach question, you know, questions like, you know, that is information. Mm-hmm. But that's a different way. So I think connecting the dots, having more support, being mo- more proactive about it, and also letting people know that their actions affect others and that you know, we have an obligation to ourselves uh, to, to find out, you know, what's going on. And if I can provide any kind of comfort, any kind of situation of help to just a few people, I mean, Secret Warrior is worth it. It's mm-hmm. worth every bit of writing it. Yeah. Some of the other things that you're doing kind of in conjunction with this, I know you started this way back, but you talk about even like the work that you're doing with the choice, not chance, mm-hmm. you know, the, the book itself and maybe what you guys are trying to do in the future. Yeah, well, Choice Not Chance was sort of the beginning, and that is mostly a coach's book, right? It talks about those fierce rules, you know, thoughts that you can use uh, for building competitors. Uh, That's a different book. And then Secret Warrior just is a whole new world of sharing my mental health story, my diagnosis with bipolar, what I went through, and thoughts and experiences that I had. Of course, the support mechanism is huge. My husband as a partner, um, my family, and some of the dynamics that were difficult with a family. I do feel that when you're diagnosed with a mental illness, sometimes family can be very intimidating because it's a shame blame game. Like, you you know, genetically, how did this happen? Where did this come from? You know, why do you have it? Um, Sometimes I felt more comfortable with my therapists and doctors than anywhere else. 
mm. because I you felt almost like you were letting your family down. Mm. And you know, that's a big burden to bear for anyone to think that, especially since it it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was diagnosed at 30. Generally, they say 25 to 30, you know, mm. is a range, but of course, nothing is completely exact. So it's it's a lot to bear, and especially being in the public eye. And I want people to know if, if you know, if you can be in the public eye and be diagnosed with bipolar and, and have all these good things happen, then come on, we can we can deal with this uh, one way or the other. Yeah, great example. Uh, so, with all this, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, yeah. if you could, if you could have known some of these things at the beginning, maybe it wouldn't have been as scary. Or, I feel like that's a lot of the case with a lot of people with like mental health. Once they, you mentioned this, but once they start talking about it, once they get help. I don't know if you ever felt like this, but like I've heard a lot of people will say, I felt like I was the only one, like this was the only, I'm weird because this is only happening to me. And I think we're hearing now that these kinds of things are more common and would that change your perspective? So, you know, in relation to that, if you could go back and give it advice or even thoughts or say a word to that young Auburn assistant coach P that just was coming out, like what, what would maybe be a, either a piece of advice or just something to like set them on their journey. Like things will be okay, even though they may not go according to plans. Well, I mean, you can have the brightest experiences and ideas. When I left Auburn, I had no concept uh, that this was forthcoming at Maine. Uh, My first couple of years at Maine, no concept, work my tail off, work by objectives, really demanding coach, receptive group that really wanted to do well. I had my first child and very busy life and then bang, you know, just like that. Like people feel they're hit over the head. And what you what I would hope is that I would tell people to really work on their diagnosis because there there's many that are misdiagnosed. People that have depression, but that are actually bipolar. There's a big difference there. Okay, Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the different medications that work. And then one of the big things I'd say, take your meds. Okay, this idea of going on and off medication is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I have story, I have stories about that in the book. And I just, you, you've got to find the right people. You've got to trust. And you've got to build your network. And I've been very fortunate. Remember, in my public sphere, I've been able to find people or pay for some of the you know, support I've received. And this is one of my initiatives with my found the foundation we want to start, Mental Health Foundation, relative to bringing monies in, building an enormous foundation that can then, you know, send monies out. I think it's going to take a hybrid healthcare situation, private and public. I think it's going to take a lot of working uh, to come back and work with the triggers that have occurred even during COVID uh, for so many. And, and again, that I'm listening to podcasts. Boy, that age group that's really trending right now with anxiety and depression. You know, you're looking at 20 to 28. They're really, their lives are in flux. And we're not as settled as some of us that are more, at least settled in our lives um, and have a little bit more certainty. And the stresses and the pressures that, you know, we're all facing, but especially that group, you know, being just, you mentioned it earlier. I think just as coaches being more alert to those things, looking for those kinds of things and being, easiest way to be proactive. So you mentioned it last thing, but you mentioned, I want, want whether that's the foundation and then also the book, mm-hmm. where can they find out more about each of these things? Okay. Well, the, the foundation is an 
first of all, you got to get out of the red. Okay. <laughs> you know, so you got to get into a, a certain space with the foundation. So that's a developing thing. And I'm just really excited about that. Me and my family. Secret Warriors on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble. People can pre-order right now. It comes out February 16th. Uh, that's my mother's birthday. Mm. To honor my mother and to honor her as a very strong woman and somebody I had to talk to about these issues and that type of thing. Um, so it's on her birthday. And I just really hope people will pre-order and get ready for it. It's soft cover, hard cover. And I think for coaches, I mean, the soft covers, I think now fifteen ninety five. Mm. And I would hope that it could be of some help because we need stories. We need stories and we need people to feel more authentic about what they're going through. I think textbooks have their limits. I mean, I would even want it for resident, a first year residents in medical school when they're learning about psychiatry, when they're learning about bipolar. I mean, I would want it well beyond the sports dynamic. I mean, mm -hmm. sports metaphors in the book, but. I think it tells a much broader story. So it's still pre-ordering all these different categories. And, you know, I, I, I'm a first time, a second time author, but first time real author where I actually, you know, got paid in advance, however small, as a, <laughs> um, but, and working with John Kohler books, that's my, my publisher and, and John Kohler and his team have been amazing. Awesome. That's Coach Joanne McCauley, affectionately known as Coach P. Coach P for life on all social. Make sure that you follow her and check that out. She posts a lot of great stuff on social media. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. I wish you the very best in your personal life, but also in your coaching life. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out. Thank you.